Good song, good song. You know, I, just before I start today, I want to tell you I had a call really early this morning. I get up early, pretty early on Sunday mornings, and I got an early, early call. And uh, it was Brenda Vargas in Portugal. You know, Brenda goes with Matthew where he's from, and they spend the winter there. And uh, you know why she called me? What do you think? Oh, bad news. No bad news. She called me to pray for me so that today, when I did this, God would move in power. Isn't that cool? Anybody ever had uh, somebody from Portugal call you to pray for you? <laughs> so I'm kind of, oh, yeah, that is fantastic. Here's what I want to say. I want all of you to do the same thing for me all the time. I don't want you to have to be in Portugal for the thought to strike you. Because what I do, we've heard about it today, can powerfully impact lives in healing and in growth and transformation. Um, and I need your prayer. Bottom line, uh, for me to do this kind of on my own strength and my own power will fall pretty flat. But when God's in it, man, lives can change. Um, and can I pray, ask you to pray not just for me, but to pray for our church? We, we are here to make an impact in this world. You know that. We are here to see people connect to Jesus, deepen in their faith, and change the world. Uh, that's not going to happen without a lot of prayer, going up to God. I, I envision a church that is a praying church, and every single day, hundreds and hundreds of people are inviting God to work mightily through the life of this congregation. And I'm asking you right now to be one of those people. I thought even, you know, earlier today, if, if we could take all the ministries of the church, there are probably 30 or 31 of them, and pray for a different one every single day, wouldn't that be awesome? And what would God do? So, thank you, Brenda. I don't think you can hear me, even though I yell. But uh, that was just, that was cool. That was cool. And I invite you into a prayer ministry with God. Um, I wonder what we would have said had it been us. What would you have said? What would I have said if we were Mary or Joseph? And the day when the angels came to them with a message from God. What would you have thought? What would you have felt in your heart? Seriously, think about it. Put yourself there. And then what would you have done? We don't know a whole lot. We know that Mary uh, was afraid and kind of confused. She asked some good questions for the sake of understanding. We don't know a ton about what Joseph experienced. We just know what he did. But if you had been Mary or Joseph, what would you have done? You know, the remarkable thing about Mary and Joseph, young people as they were, teenagers likely, um, very likely, the remarkable thing about two remarkable young people is they said yes to God, point blank. Story of, of, of angel, the story is, of course, of angels, uh, angel named Gabriel coming to Mary. Let me read it to you. Luke 1, 31 to 33, then verse 35. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, there's some sort of stunning news. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She's starting to clue in. This is the Messiah, the promised one of God to be born in and through my body. The angel answered, and this is in response to the, this is a little later in response to the questions that she had. Because she said, hey, ha guess what? I'm a virgin. I haven't had sexual relationships. How can this be? 
The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the dad is God. Is that what you're saying to me? What would you have thought? What would you have felt? And what would you have done? You know, the, the Joseph story is quite something too. Matthew chapter 1, 20 and 21 says this. But after he had considered this, the idea of quietly divorcing Mary, putting her aside without shaming her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, no less. In a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. His name means salvation. The Lord saves. <laughs> you want me to marry Mary, who is pregnant, and I'm not the dad. I know that. And you're telling me the Holy Spirit overshadowed her to use word, the words from Luke chapter 1 so that she became pregnant. God is the father of this child and you want me to marry. What would you have thought? What would you have felt? <laughs> what would you have done? Um, you know, the, the response of these people is dramatic. Look at Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, this is after the dream, after the angel's visitation. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife as his wife. Mary's response. Did we read? I'm wondering, did we read verse 38? No, 38. Of, oh, go back to that. Thank you. Her response, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word uh, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. They both said yes. I want to tell you, you might have read the story a hundred times, but this ought to shock us, like really shock us, because of the magnitude of what was being asked of them. The encounter that they had just brought them to a place where they said, okay, that's what you want, God. Yes, go ahead. And in their saying yes, I want to tell you, their lives were caught up in God's story. You might say, you know, Chris, weren't, weren't their lives caught up in the Christmas story? Yes, but I want to tell you the Christmas only, is only part of the huge God story which spans from gen, gen, Genesis at the beginning of the Bible to Revelation at the end. Their lives were just caught up in the action of God that had been ongoing and continues. What is that story? It starts with creation. And I hope this is something that you dwell upon and is so central to your understanding of faith. God created everything that exists, and he created this marvelous and beautiful and dynamic and, 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 and mysterious and, and wonderful thing in which people were enabled to thrive in life and have incredible relationship with God. And then along came the fall, part two of the story, where people sinned, and sin and evil entered into creation and marred it corrupted it, everything about it, including you and me, so much so that what God intended was no longer. We experience it in part, but not in full. And every expression of suffering that this world has ever known is because of the fall, because of the power of sin that entered into creation. Everything from wars and famine to struggle in relationship and broken relationship and to broken hearts and to depression, everything... Were, Every expression of suffering that has ever been known is because of the fall. 
That was followed by a response from God. And part number three of the God story is this, redemption, where God put a plan in place to redeem what had been broken, to take it back to himself. And of course, at the heart of this story is the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, the idea that God would intervene to make things right again in the person of his son. And then the final chapter, if you would, in the story of God, God's story is restoration, where God is working toward the day when everything will be restored to what it first was at the point of creation. There is coming a day because Christ has come, died, risen, and uh, and ascended to heaven. He will return, and this world will be returned to the way God always intended it to be. And there will be no more evil, and there will be no suffering, and there will be no sin, and no brokenness. And we will be in that place again of incredible flourishing and and walking with God. It'll be an incredible and remarkable and beautiful thing. That's the God story of Scripture from beginning to end. And the day Mary and Joseph said yes to God, they were swept up and into God's story. They were given this task, this clear expression of what God wanted them to do. They stepped in intentionally into the story of God saving the world. My point to you today is this. We too can say yes to God. We too can step into what God is doing in the world. Our response as followers of Jesus can be at this time of Christmas, at this time of celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, can be to do what Mary and Joseph did. And I'm here to ask you to consider that possibility. Now, how do you do that? We're going to look at some of the elements of what these two young people experienced and what I would suggest to you is required for us to step in in a similar way. Number one, these two heard from God. Do you? Man, that's, even as I say it, that's powerful. But these two had deeply spiritual experiences in which they heard God speaking in their lives, specifically telling them what he wanted them to do so that they could be part of his grand plan. Angels came to Mary and Joseph and invited them in, and they knew in that moment that they had been called to serve in a specific way. Remarkable. And I want to ask you, do you ever have such deeply spiritual experiences when you hear the voice of God? Is it possible this Christmas, as I suggested last week, we not be distracted by lesser things, but that we give our focus to the reality of our relationship with God so that we hear God speaking into our lives? You know, it's through the scripture as we dwell in it. This might be a moment when God speaks into your life. I don't know, but it's only because the scripture is open and the spirit of God is at work could be when you're at home with your Bible or in a life group, but you open the book and you commune with God and the Spirit of God takes those words and makes them powerful to you and they change your life. So much so that you come to that place where you are, you're, you are convinced that you know God has spoken, so much so that you can then say, yes, if you choose, I will. I've used this illustration before, but I love it, and I'm going to use it again because it works so well. But in 1994, just a few years after I I came to Interkip and IPC, a missionary from an independent mission organization just arrived at the the door uh, of the church and sat in my office and said, would you come to Nicaragua and maybe bring an elder or two and possibly your church can get active there and, you know, bless those people? Uh, And I prayed about it and thought about it, and there was nothing in me that said yes. Nothing in me that told me God was saying, this is what you must do. So I said no. (laughs) 
I, you know, I talked to the man. I said, no, it's, it's just not right. The time's not right. It's just not where, what we need right now as a church. Two years later, that same man came back. And he said, would you come to Nicaragua and bring an elder or two with you and see what God might do? And I prayed about it. I just had this deep sense of God saying, do it, do it. So I went to the elders, and I'm saying, God's saying we got to do this, guys, and women and men, and, you know, like, we, what do you think? And, 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 you know, he suggests not only the pastor should come, but some elders should come, and Bill Chesney says, I'll go. So we headed down to Nicaragua. People thought we were crazy. You know, the, the war between the Sandinistas and the Contras wasn't that much in the past. People thought we were going to get shot. We were going to die, <laughs> never come back. I didn't think I was going to get shot, <laughs> I just knew God had said, go. So we went. And I think this January, we were sending our 20th adult team, plus a bunch of teenage trips have gone as well. 20 years of people, hundreds of people going on, on this sort of trip. Lives have been changed. People who have gone, and they have served, and they've seen God use their lives. They come back here, and guess what they want to continue to do? They want to serve, and they want to continue to see God use their lives to make an impact here. And hundreds of kids have gone through the schools which we have built. A couple in particular we stay in relationship with and fund. And they have been educated in, in a slum. They're called barrios, but they're dirt poor, right? They live in houses with dirt on the floor. And they've been helped, and hundreds of children have heard about Jesus, and we trust Christ has taken hold of their lives, and they're growing up now to hopefully have powerful impact in that country as, we, as they go forward. See, my friends, there was a moment in time God came along and he said, this is what I want you to do, IPC. And we said, yes. We heard his call. We heard his message being spoken into our lives. And we said, yes. Let me say this. To hear from God, especially at this time of the year, you need to take time with God. You need to be here. I know I'm preaching to the converted here, as they say, right? You're here. Good job. I affirm you for being here. But you need to take time so that the Lord can speak into your life in a way that he's not going to unless you get quiet before him. This Christmas, distracted by lesser things or people who want to grow in their faith? That was my question last week as we began this series. Will this Christmas cause you to grow and mature in your faith and be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus? You know, you're going to take the book in your hand over this season the Bible, and are you going to let God's Spirit bring it to life and be powerful to you so that you know God is speaking and you know what God is calling you to? Are you going to say yes to Him? you got to, number one, hear what He asks you to do. You can't say yes without the invitation. I pray you will. Second thing these young people experienced, this young couple, very simply, they had to be prepared to change their thinking. They're thinking, I love this, Matthew 1, verse 19. Because Joseph, um, her husband, was faithful to the law. This is prior to the angelic visit, by the way. This is earlier in the chapter. Yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, she being Mary. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Note the words, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. His thinking was, here's the scenario. She's obviously made a mistake and somebody else is the father and I'm not going to marry this young woman. <laughs> that was his thinking. That was his obvious natural conclusion to the, you know, sure, God did this. Sure, Mary, right? And the baby in your womb to be born is actually the son of God. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Mm -hmm. His thinking was contrary. It was natural. It was human. 
But I want to tell you, my friends, God changed Joseph's mind. What he had in mind went out the window and something new came in. The reality is that, that, that he did exactly the opposite, the categorical opposite of what he thought was best to do before the angelic visit. Mary, you know, she too had the same experience. She had questions which satisfied her mind to some point and answered some of her questions. But in the end of the day, she gained the understanding which allowed her to say yes to what she, to create something that she never in a million years thought would be her life. You know, she would have thought that her life was going to unfold in a particular way, and the angel, the impact, the invitation, the message from God caused her to think incredibly differently. You see, my friends, when God shows up, he changes how and what we think, which produces the result of our stepping into the God story. Stepping into the God story. Old thoughts, no longer the thoughts that we think. Old perceptions are dismissed and new ones are brought in. Old beliefs about the Bible, about Christ, about what this faith is, about who I am, about my identity, they all go. And we start to think differently because God has addressed our lives. You see this idea, these thoughts have to give way in us and to be replaced if we are to say yes to God. Now listen to this, how many people have never stepped into what God is doing in this world because they're not willing to think differently? And I ask you, could that be you? Some people get stuck in their thoughts. They form them probably early in life, and it's just like they are are bound by them. They are immovable in some way. And those thoughts can keep us from engaging what God has created us to do. My friends, it's only when the message comes from God, that's the step number one, such as these two people Uh, heard that will allow people like Mary and Joseph and us to take the radical steps toward God, toward what God intends for us. Let me ask you this. Have you ever done something in response to what God has spoken into your life that that has seemed absolutely crazy to the thinking of other people or to you? Or to what you once might have thought? Um, You know, have you ever kind of looked at something from a human perspective and then, as Joseph did, changed his mind to look at something from a godly, spiritual perspective and embraced it, but other people stand back and say, you are out of your mind. You've got to be crazy to do that. Like, why? Have you? You know, I think of a young couple that I can't mention and don't want to mention by name, but you all know who they are, who a few years ago heard God speak pretty powerfully into their lives, suggesting that they go to a faraway place in the world to go to a place that very, very, very few people would ever venture to love and to care for people. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to mention the names for obvious reasons. And there were people who said, you know, that's craziness. That's dangerous. That's not something they should do. But I want to tell you, my friends, that couple had heard from God. 
And their thinking had been changed from, oh my goodness, that seems dangerous and crazy, to we want to go there. Changed from fear to love. Changed from horror to attraction and heart's desire. You see, when God comes and God speaks and we hear the call of God in our lives, we get the message from God about how he wants us to step into the God story, our thinking dramatically changes so that we end up doing what is not normal from a human perspective because it's not from a human perspective. It's from God's perspective. You know, too often, let me say this, I think we tend to play it safe. And safety is a priority to us. And I've told you this before, but nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible that I can read does it say that safety is a requirement for us as we seek to do the will of God. Jesus came into this world as a little baby so that ultimately, ultimately he might die and be crucified on a cross. That wasn't safe, but he was doing exactly what God created him to do. Safety is not the primary category here. The mind of God is the primary category. And my friends, when we encounter God in those deeply spiritual experiences and we hear his call into our lives, our thinking will change. And I hope you long for such an encounter and I hope you long to have your thinking changed and I hope you're willing to let that thinking be opened up and dramatically confronted so that you think the thoughts of God are no longer simply human thoughts. So we hear from God, we have that encounter, we think thoughts that are different. What else happened in the lives of these two young people? This, this might seem simple to you, but it's not simple, it's profound. Maybe it's both. But, you know, they said yes, and when they said yes, they were prepared to see significant change in their life. I'm going to preach on this at some length at some point. Because <laughs> this, is, this is so incredibly significant. See, when Jesus shows up, he will upset the status quo in, in our life, my life and yours. He will, he will shake things up in terms of the way we live. For these two people, it obliterated the status quo. Do you understand that? Um, for, them to, for Mary and Joseph to step into God's story, to step into the Christmas story, which is part of the bigger God story, it meant dramatic change in their lives. You know, they had a plan that was nice and it was safe. But the normal life which they anticipated would never be. It was gone after God spoke to them. You know, goodness sakes, they ended up taking their child and fleeing their home country because of a murderous king and, and, and running away to a neighboring country, Egypt, where they became refugees. No home, no food, no family. Talk about obliterating the status quo. Everything changed for them, dramatically so. And they ended up living their lives. We don't know about Joseph's life that much, but certainly Mary's life being the parent to the Son of God until he died. Not what they anticipated. How many of us are willing, my friends, or even eager and passionate about this, to have our lives disrupted by God? Can I ask you that? Are you? In order that God might use us to make an impact in this world so that the God story might unfold through you and through me. Can you imagine that? I'm here to tell you he will do it if we're willing to say yes. 
See, too often, no, not too often. I'm going to put it that way. That sounds like it's negative. This is just normal. We have our plans. We have the way we choose to live our lives. We have our norms, you know? We like things the way they are. We've created that. It's like, I'm not willing to let that go. Don't disrupt that, God. I'm going to tell you, if God comes along and he speaks into your life, that will get disrupted. And for us to say yes to God and for God to use us in significant and powerful ways, we have to listen to him and hear. We have to change our thinking. Let God change our thinking, but we also have to let him change our lives. Talk about getting stuck in thinking. We get stuck in lifestyle. But I want to tell you, if we'll say yes to God, his purposes will be fulfilled in, in and through our lives in ways we can't anticipate. Anybody like this? Anybody long for it? And here's the last experience of these two young people, and it comes down to this, I would say to you, in very simple, very, very simple terms, and it's this. They came to a place in their lives where they simply acted in obedience and submission. Let me read to you the Joseph response again, Matthew 1, 24. When Joseph woke up after the dream, after the invitation, after the deeply spiritual experience, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. <laughs> he did what the Lord had what? Commanded him. Um, he obeyed the voice of God. Mary, again, Luke 1, 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel laughed. You know what that's called? That's called submission of her life to the will of God. You see, in the end of the day, we can't say yes without being willing to obey what God commands us and submitting our lives to God and his purposes for us. I want to suggest to you that's what yes looks like. That's what yes is. And if I can go a step further for the sake of godly challenge, this defines and describes the nature of our relationship with God. Let me ask you this question. When you think about your relationship with God as a follower of Jesus, assuming you are, I know many of you are, is this how you characterize your relationship with him? Child of God as one who will obey the commands of God, who does what God tells us to do, tells you to do, and who one, as one who is willing to submit their lives to whatever God calls us to. I'm not sure every Christian, particularly in North America, thinks about, thinks about following Jesus in those terms. But there's absolutely no question in the lives of these young people what their relationship with God was about. Let me put it this way. Jesus comes, and I'm going to quote a very famous verse to you in a minute which captures this reality. But Jesus comes into this world as an infant child to be our Savior. And some of you get that. Many of you do. He comes to save us from the power of sin. He comes to forgive us and, and, and to cleanse us and, and to save us from the consequences of sin so that we will know God today and forever into eternity. He's our savior. He saves us from our brokenness. He's going to save our world from its brokenness as we get to the point of restoration someday in God's timing. 
He's our Savior. I hope He is your Savior. I hope you have personalized that dynamic. I hope you have come into God's presence, Christ's presence, said, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin and come into my life. Today I, I take you to be my Savior. But you know what you do when you also take him to be your Savior? You take him to be your Lord. And herein lies the difference. Let me read to you Luke chapter 2, verse 11, these famous words. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God, the one sent from the throne room of God to be as, not to be, he is your Savior, as Lord of your life and of this world. My friends, I want to tell you this. When the Lord speaks, we need to be people who respond in obedience and the submission of our lives to his will. You know, it isn't always big and dramatic things that happen. It isn't always things that, that, that are life-shaking. Sometimes it is. You know, one of the things that I love about what God does is that without my really planning it, I'm, some, I'm not nearly as smart as God, but God leads me to preach this sermon the same Sunday that God coordinates things that the Minamites might come and tell us their story. Think about what I've been saying in light of the story we heard today. Not planned by me, planned by God. But there was a day that God came into Mike's life. He was struggling and he was hurting. And I don't think you'd mind me saying, because there's one man who was very broken to another guy. He, you were pretty broken, right? Hurting. God came along at some point and he gave a message to Mike and he said, I've got a new purpose for you. I want you to pursue being a pastor. You know, Mike said yes to that, you know, and, and, and he started to encounter the reality of what God wanted for him. He heard, and his thinking changed, and he was willing to let his life be revolutionized so that God's will might be done, so that he might play the role that God had for him in his big story. But I think a step before that, there was a day that a guy called Jeff Rogers, who's, Roger, who's sitting at the back today, God took hold of Jeff's life, and maybe it'd be a cool story to hear at some point, but God did something brand new in Jeff's life, and, and he came to us and he said, can I start a men's ministry? It wasn't even our idea. <laughs> and he always said, okay, yeah. <laughs> but, God, but Jeff had this passion to see men grow deeper in faith and to encounter the voice of God and to have their thinking changed about being husbands and fathers and servants in the church. And he said, yes. You know, and, 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 and you know, the, the, the reality of ex the exact thing that I'm speaking to has been displayed for us here. And God has worked profoundly in people's lives as a result. I was thinking even the day I went to visit you two, how come I went? I, I honestly pray, God, what, what do you want me to do today? And I tend to do what I think God's telling me to do when I went. And apparently God did something significant in that visit, Right? You know, sometimes it's not somebody becoming a pastor. Let me just use the illustration, by the way. It's the day God said to Chris Little, who'd probably been out of university, I don't know, seven or eight years, I want you to be a pastor. Message came. You know what I did? No! <laughs> Please, God, anything but that. I didn't want it, right? I didn't want it. I'd grown up with a, in the manse, as they say, with a dad as a pastor. I didn't want it. I wanted to be you. 
I wanted to be somebody doing whatever in the world, it, you know, the, 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 the light in the darkness, the yeast in the dough. I thought there were enough pastors in the world, and I thought what the world needs is not another pastor. What the world needs is people who are passionate for Jesus, who are living their lives in obedience and submission to him transforming the world because it's you you know who have the potential to transform the world not me because i guess what this is about come to think of it this whole talk <laughs> but it's not always about becoming a pastor like mike or myself it's believe me it's not that and it's not about allowing god to, for, except for one woman <laughs> allowing god to be birthed from your body or a man who was willing to say yes to marriage in the way Joseph did. It's about just hearing from God. Do you? I can't tell you what God is going to speak to you if you allow him to and if you say yes, but I want to tell you it will change your thinking and will shake up the status quo if you're willing to live in obedience and submission to him. But I want, and I want to tell you too, it'll bring adventure and a dynamic that you probably can't imagine right now. Your life will change. It might be nothing more than God saying, take one of those invitations and give it to that person that I've laid on your heart. And they might come here and find faith in Jesus Christmas Eve. It might be that you just, God just comes into your, your, your mind and says, I want you in those, in those quiet moments to invite one of your neighbors into your home and offer them a meal. Share with them hospitality. Share, share with them my love. And let's see together what I'm going to do in and through you in their experience. You know, it might be that uh, you end up, God says to you, I want you to go to Nicaragua. How many of you have gone to Nicaragua out of obedience, right? See, some hands going up. Because sometimes it's kind of scary to think about going into such a foreign culture in such a faraway place. But, you know, I want you to go and you've said yes to him in obedience and submission of your life. Could be that God says, I want you downtown working in picnic by the river with the disadvantaged of our community. Join that missional community. Could be God saying, I want you to serve in youth ministry. That scares people. It's so fantastic right now. We have six adult volunteers serving in youth ministry alongside Brandon. I don't know if we've ever had that number of adult volunteers saying yes to God. It's fantastic children's ministry i mean whatever the list is endless my friends the question is will you come to that place and this is this is this is the crux of the matter will you come to that place in your life where you say you get into the presence of god and you say god whatever you want me to do i'll do whatever you want me to say i will say wherever you want me to go i will go you see here it is how many of us here are living our lives in full and complete commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you that today? Are you in that place where, where God speaks and your response is one of obedience and submission? I want to tell you, if you can get to that place so much so that you can say yes to God, regardless what God asks of you, you will get caught up in the God's story and God will use you to make an impact. And his will and his purpose will be accomplished through you in a way that will be an incredible adventure with God. Some of you here might say, you know, Chris, um, this isn't very Christmassy. 
<laughs> like you're talking about Mary and Joseph, and you're talking about me, you. What about Jesus? No, my friends, I'm talking about Jesus and your relationship with him. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Lord entering into time and space as an infant child in Bethlehem, that he might reign and rule in our lives. So that we might, through his, the work of his Spirit, become his and have our sin forgiven, so that he might become our Savior. But he also came, as I have read to you, to be Savior and Lord. And I ask you this Christmas, will you consider the possibility in the quietness of your time with him, of hearing his voice, of having your mind changed, of being willing to let your life be revolutionized so that you can simply live in obedience and submission to his will. Now that's a possibility, I would say to you. You can go through the next few weeks distracted by lesser things. I like that phrase I used last week. You know what I'm talking about. Parties, family gatherings, Christmas shopping, wrapping gifts, etc., etc., etc. Go ahead. If you want to do it, knock yourself out. <laughs> but don't miss what God might have for you this Christmas. I want to finish by saying this God will use your life. Every single one of you who claim the name of Jesus, God will allow you to be caught up in his story. He will use you in a powerful and significant way in the lives of other people and in this world of ours if only you will learn to say yes to him, as did Mary and Joseph. Will you do that this Christmas? Will you grapple with some of the biggest issues that you can in terms of your relationship with him? Will you allow yourself your life to be used as Mary and Joseph once did for the glory of God for the transformation of this world I invite you to say yes to him let's pray God I don't know what's going on in the hearts of and the minds of each person gathered before you this morning. But I know what your word says. And we together have grappled with the reality of it. And that is like Mary and Joseph, Jesus has come to be our Savior and to be our Lord. And as his people, we are called into the God story. The dynamic and remarkable desire that you have in your heart to transform this world, to see people brought to faith in Jesus, to see justice and righteousness take root in this world, to see this world transformed by your power and truth and grace. So God, I pray for every person here today. I pray that you will give them those moments when they hear from you this season. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will work in significant ways so that they will know that they know that they know that God has commanded them and invited them to say yes. I pray that you'll change your thinking. I pray that you'll be, make them willing to have their lives shaken and changed. But in the end, God, I pray for these people gathered before you that they will be people who will come to that place, who will live, come to that place where they commit themselves wholeheartedly to live for you, full and complete commitment to Christ of their lives. God, work, I pray and enable people to say yes to you. 
God, I pray that as we do so, that together we will become a powerful force in your hand for your glory to accomplish the things that you want done in this world. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your love. May your will be done in us, we pray.